Welcome to the Anxiety Coaches Podcast, a relaxing and informative show where we explore anxiety, panic, and PTSD, sharing how you can overcome them for life. Aloha, welcome back to the Anxiety Coaches Podcast. Today I have an amazing woman, a special guest, and someone that has been um kind of a mentor to me for a number of years. We have Michelle Rosenthal with us, and she has a number of books and a little bit of bio that I'm going to get into in a minute. Michelle is a popular keynote speaker, award-winning blogger, award-nominated author, workshop seminar leader, and certified professional coach. She hosts the radio program, Changing Direction, and is the founder of HealMyPTSD.com. Michelle is a trauma survivor who struggled with PTSD for over 25 years. She is now 100% PTSD-free. She is the author of Before the World Intruded, the author of um, Your Life After Trauma, and Heal Your PTSD. So I will put links to Michelle's information and books in the show notes. So please go there and check those out. Welcome, Michelle. I am thrilled to have you here with us today. Aloha, Gina. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm just so looking forward to our conversation. Yes, I am too. I'm I'm glad you would take the time out with us. And uh, like I said in the bio, that you had have been a um, a mentor to me through email. You've put out a beautiful uh, um, little newsletter that comes out, and you used to put those lovely quotes out. And I'm a quote collector, so um, I feel like I know you a little bit, and uh, almost like a sister in this healing process. I wondered if we could get started today about um, talking a little bit about the differences, to keep this clear for my listeners, the differences between oh, stress, anxiety, panic, PTSD, we hear these words thrown about. Can you, can you clear that up for us a little bit, Michelle? Sure. Well, let's start with what we all have in our lives, which is stress. So stress comes in a lot of different forms. We can have personal stress in our relationships. We can have professional stress around our work. And and we can have global stress. I mean, we're all here in this culture trying to muddle through what it means to be human. So when we talk about stress, it's usually a transitory experience. It's something we can go in and out of um, pretty frequently. I mean, we can throughout the day. If you just even monitor and be mindful of yourself, you can be stressed driving somewhere because you don't have enough time and you're Mm -hmm. trying to make the light. So there's a little bit of stress there. Um, But throughout the day, we can have all kinds of stress that goes in and out. Stress in and of itself, does not have to be completely debilitating. It's sort of like, 
it's sort of like exercise, you know, exercise is good stress, quote unquote. So stress can be a good thing in your life because it causes your body and your mind to respond to a situation and live up to a challenge and you achieve things. So there can be good aspects of stress. Stress, let's just say for our definition is, is a moment or an experience that doesn't go exactly the way you wanted it to and Mm. puts you in a position of discomfort. So stress, when it exceeds the normal range, can move into anxiety, panic, or post-traumatic stress disorder. And all of these things are sort of, they overlap too. As I'm sure you've experienced in your work, Gina, somebody can have anxiety and panic or panic and stress. And they sort of all come together. Post-traumatic stress disorder we'll we'll set aside for a second because that's a different uh, scenario. But um, with anxiety, let's be clear on the difference between anxiety and fear because all of this, what this all has in common, stress, anxiety, panic, PTSD, at the base of them all is fear. You know, fear you're not going to get to someplace on time in my little example of driving or and anxiety is a fear of the future. Like you're looking ahead and projecting into the future and worrying about something that's going to happen. Panic, right. same thing. Post-traumatic stress disorder, you're terrified based on an experience that you had. So with all of these things, anxiety is looking ahead and worrying about something bad that's going to happen. Fear is recognizing a threat to you physically or emotionally in the present moment. And then panic is, of course, very close to those things. And then post-traumatic stress disorder is a condition that occurs after you've experienced a life-threatening trauma or you've Mm -hmm. witnessed the experience of a life-threatening trauma to somebody else, and and you develop a set of very specific symptoms that last for more than four weeks and Mm. become completely debilitating. And there's a range of what I mean by completely debilitating, but they interfere with your ability to function. Yes. So that does that answer your question? Oh, the, yes, Michelle, thank you. That's very, very helpful. And with that clarification, we can now move into what do people need to, um, I often have people come to me and they want to figure out exactly what it is that they have. They're looking for like the label. And um, so tell me how important that is and or if there are uh, general healing modalities that you want to use, no matter which one of these you have. That's a really interesting question. Here's here's what I'm thinking because, and it's so funny because I was just talking to someone about this this morning who just recently got a diagnosis, and and she was saying I, I just feel so much better. It has a name, <laughs> and, I, and yeah. I, I understand that because for for over like for 24 years exactly, um, I struggled with all of these crazy symptoms, and I thought it was because I was crazy. I literally thought I was yeah. insane, and I just sort of said to myself, Michelle, you know what? Some people in this world are meant to be crazy. You're one of them. Do it as best you can. And Mm. then when I got my PTSD diagnosis, I thought, oh, it wasn't me. (laughs) You know, I'm not crazy. So I think a label, quote unquote, is not a good thing. But I think an explanation 
for what's mm-hmm. wrong is wonderful. And if it comes yeah. in the form of, you know, what other people call a label, that's fine with me because knowing that I had post-traumatic stress disorder absolved me of the guilt and the shame and the embarrassment that I felt that I couldn't be a normal person. And, and I right. think for other people, I, I think that knowing, okay, you have an anxiety disorder or you have panic disorder, whatever it is, if you're the kind of person that jibes with quote unquote labels. And I say quote unquote, because to me, it's just a name. Like my name, yes, Michelle. Is. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's not my label. It's just, just a fact of me in this moment. And mm-hmm. that's sort of what I see diagnoses as is they They can be very useful because otherwise you're floundering around. You don't know what's wrong. You're not being who you really could be. And you don't mm-hmm. have a path to resolving right. any of that. And when we have a name for something, oh, good. <laughs> now I know what's wrong. Now I can really work specifically on what will fix it. And that exactly. doesn't mean that you have a definitive path to fixing it. It just means you, you know your territory on the map. And I think, I think that's incredibly useful. And then within there, to answer the second part of your question, stress, anxiety, panic, PTSD, so many of the healing modalities are effective for all of them. So what it really comes down to is you personally, what Mm -hmm. modality do you respond to? And you know, you know, my background, Gina, it took me so much slogging through the muck to recover. And I use 10 different modalities. So to say Mm -hmm. that there's one would be you know, ridiculous. But to say that we can't heal if the one doesn't work would also be ridiculous. When some things work in some moments, and then you reach a new phase of recovery and you need a new modality, and some things don't work right off the bat. And I would say not doing that again. So it, right. it's such an individual process. Yes, it is. And I think the more people can hear that, the more freedom they feel to just keep trying new things and to not feel like um, they have failed because, of course, when we're that low, uh, often we blame ourselves for everything that, that doesn't work. So I love that you have such an individual view, uh, a view of how individual the healing is for each person. And, um, and, and, um, how about the role of um, medications? Do you do you talk about that much? I I don't because in my perspective they are they can be incredibly useful, but I see them as a last resort, last case scenario. Like you are yeah. just so completely around the bend, and I mean that in the most gentle sense because I was there, um, but mm-hmm. just completely dysfunctional to the point that you cannot do the healing work. Right. I have worked with a lot of clients who are on or are trying to come off of many different medications. And I've consulted with a lot of clinical colleagues and, and, and the, the issue, and many of my clinical friends feel the same way as I do. The issue is it's very hard to come off of these meds and that's a whole stressful process in and of itself. So if you can avoid getting that piece into your puzzle, I would at all costs. And I, I did my, my recovery without them as difficult Mm -hmm. difficult it was. I did not, I didn't want to go that route. For some people, and I am working obviously with a lot of people who are doing that because they couldn't do the healing work 
until something helped them manage their emotions. And I absolutely respect that. So I would say if you cannot do the healing work any other way, definitely get the prescription. But if there is even an ounce of you that can bring to the table some way to do the healing work medication free, do it because it will make your process so much easier in the long run. Have you tried one skin for your skincare routine yet? I love the simplicity of these products and the medical grade ingredients in them, not to mention how easily they fit into my skincare routine. The OS1 Face Moisturizer and OS1 Eye Cream make skin look visibly smoother and clearer and immediately feel softer and more hydrated. The secret is One Skin's proprietary OS1 peptide. It's the first ingredient proven to switch off the aging cells that cause lines, wrinkles, and thinning skin, and several studies back it up. So if you're tired of cycling through ineffective skincare trends and overcomplicated routines, then I'm so excited to share with you One Skin, just simple, scientifically validated solutions. OneSkin is the world's first longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ACP at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code ACP. After your purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Yeah. Very well said, Michelle. Thank you. That's um, actually exactly how I feel. There isn't a judgment about it, but there is caution with it. So um, very well said. Thank you for sharing that. I'm wondering if we could talk a little bit about... um, how people might begin their healing. So say they've uh, understood many people with panic, anxiety, panic, end up at their physician's office or the ER many times, and they're told over and over again, this is stress and anxiety. These are panic attacks. And so once they finally understand that, because it can take a little bit of time to embody that because you really think something is very physically wrong with you. But once they embody that and they understand intellectually that this is um, anxiety, panic, or PTSD even, that, um, and they, how might they begin, in your opinion, their healing process? Mm. I have five ideas. Great. Would that be okay? (laughs) I am ready to write them down. (laughs) All right. So I think it begins with, um, I think it begins with hope because in order to be able to change any situation, you have to be open to the idea that it could change. And so often when we are stuck in these anxiety-related behaviors and experiences, we tend to self-blame. We have low self-esteem. We tend to see ourselves as less than other people. And 
and we're undependable to ourselves and other people because who knows when that anxiety can well up. And, and so we start to have a very narrow perspective of who we are and who we can be and what's possible for us. And so in order to create change, we have to start there with just the idea. And I'm not saying you have to go full out hope because that may not be comfortable right away. But two ideas for that. Um, number one, you can borrow hope from someone else. You don't always have to manifest your own. If somebody else thinks that it's possible for you to change, how about just holding on to that? This person believes yeah. in you. And yeah. so you can borrow hope from them. And the other idea is to loosen up the idea of hope. You don't have to feel it enormously. You can just say, I'm open to the idea that things could get better. And that's really mm. enough. We're yes, just looking for an opening to start the change process. So once we, we do that, and that can be done in you know, a day or it could take a month to get there. We all have to find our own pace for recovery. But yes. once you get yourself to saying, okay, I'm open to that things could get a little bit better. And, and it's important to say a little bit because we don't need everything to be bells and whistles. We, we just need a little bit of progress, baby steps. Tiny, yeah. tiny steps, every step of the way. And so, okay, you get to that day where, where you feel, I can say it. I am a little, I am open to the things could be a little bit better. And maybe you say it quietly inside your own mind, or maybe you say it out loud. Maybe you tell it to your pet. Maybe you actually tell a human being. But when mm. we can start to say it out loud and own it, that yeah. creates a great foundation because we've allowed ourselves to step forward into the healing space. And I, I think that's, that's enormously important. Once we get in there, and this is number two, then everything has to do with your beliefs. And you and I were talking about this earlier. If, yeah. I think it was um, Henry Ford who said, if you think you can or you can't, you're right. Exactly. So... That's huge, and that has a lot to do with who is around you. It's not just the voice in your head. It's the voices coming into your head. So if you have family members, friends, colleagues, um, peers, even professionals who are helping you, what mm. you allow yourself to believe is what will be true. So I, I'll just share with you my very first client ever um, – was she was almost 50 she had she was a survivor of child horrible child abuse and had had anxiety and panic and PTSD for years and she reached out to me through the healmyptsd.com website and she said I just want to let you know she sent me an email just want to let you know I love your website. There's so much great information here. I think everything that you're saying is so helpful. And at the same time, I've come to the decision that I want to end my life. I can't live like this anymore. Mm. And I yeah. immediately wrote her back. <laughs> and I said, whoa, hang on, not so fast. Because this is a decision that really should be inspected. I said, would you be willing to get on the phone? And she said, I have no money. I can't afford help. I just wanted to let you know 
that I appreciate what you're doing. And I said, forget the money. You know, you're, you're, right. you are a good cause. Let me help you. And, mm-hmm. uh, and when we got on the phone, what she said to me is I've been working, she had insurance. So she had a psychiatrist and a psychologist that she'd been working with. And they had told her for seven years, you cannot heal. We will just help you cope by prescribing these three medications, and if you don't feel better, we'll increase the medications. Well, my my heart broke because if you're working with people who don't think you can heal, how are you supposed to heal? And we are so fragile in our stress and anxiety that when someone tells us something, we take it to heart because we don't believe in ourselves anymore. So we are very willing to absorb the beliefs of other people. So it's important in this second part of how to start the recovery process to really examine your beliefs about yourself and your ability to recover, plus the beliefs of those around you, so that you can see what's going to create the best healing environment for you. Now, this doesn't mean you have to believe you can be 100% free of whatever it is. That's irrelevant. You just have to right. believe that things can change. Again, it's, it's getting back to that idea of just tiny, tiny little changes, tiny steps. Because if you just hold on to the belief, I believe things can get better, little by little, that belief will start to apply to different situations because you will have yeah. moved through <laughs> successfully so many aspects. So first you need hope, then belief. And that means belief of the people around you, too. If you have family members who keep telling you you're never going to heal, limit your time with them. If you have healing professionals who tell you that, fire them and find yes. somebody else. Yes, I agree. So you have those two. And then let's add, after hope and belief, self-care which is the most important thing, to start developing a reconnection to yourself. And by that I mean, and I'm sure you've spoken about this in other podcasts, so I won't go into it, but we have science behind meditation, mindfulness, yoga, breath work, things that really help us get back under control, our ability to self-regulate. I'll just share with you in my own experience, uh, when I started my PTSD recovery, it was after so many years of living in an enormously high state of anxiety. And one of the first things that my therapist taught me was transcendental meditation. Yeah. And I looked at him and I said, you've got to be kidding me. (laughs) Because Gina, you know, trying to sit still when you're anxious is like, how am I supposed to do that? Right. And, and I said to him, no, no, that's not going to work. And he said, well, let's just explore that. And, and he taught me how to do it. And I went home and I, I can't do it. I, can't, I cannot sit still with myself. This is crazy and it's making me feel crazier. So I went back mm-hmm. to him the next week. I said, this isn't going to work. We need something else. And he believed in transcendental meditation so much that he wouldn't let it go. He said, let's <laughs> practice in the office. And I'll, this is back in the 90s. So he, he said, I'll make you a tape. I mean, nobody would make you a tape now, but he said, I'll make you a tape and then you can take it home. And so we did just a 15 minute TM session. And then I took it home and I practiced with it every day. And that was easier. So the takeaway really is I needed something else to direct me. I couldn't do it myself at first. So with the tape, I could just give in to however I felt without trying to also focus my mind. 
And instead, I could just focus on his voice as he guided me through this meditative process. There yeah. are so many ways to practice meditation, to practice yoga, to practice mindfulness, to practice breath work, that we can all find a way that resonates with us to start taking back control and self-regulate. Four weeks after I started really devoting myself to this practice of 15 minutes a day, I already was seeing results. And it was amazing. So the third step here in getting into recovery is really committing to a self-care practice and more than one. I mean, I've been, it's been almost a decade since my recovery and I still do TM, Transcendental Meditation, every day because I love it. the neuroscientific benefits of it are huge. I feel good. It gives me energy. It gives me clarity. It gives me focus. So what you put in place in the beginning of your recovery really can become a part of a healthy lifestyle beyond your recovery. Yeah. And when you make that commitment to yourself, you are deepening your hope that things can change, furthering your belief that it's possible this change can happen for you, and taking responsibility for your role in the process. Mm, I love that responsibility because that feels so powerful, doesn't it? It does. And, you know, you know it's so, you know, with, with anxiety with panic, with PTSD, even with stress, at the bottom of all of those is fear. And at the bottom of fear is powerlessness. Mm. And if we don't address those feelings of fear and powerlessness, it's going to be very hard to recover. So the things that you can do that start to enable you to feel more like you can handle the fear and the powerlessness you move more deeply into what you just uh, reflected, which is a sense of empowerment. And the mm-hmm. more empowered you feel, the less fear there is. So it's it's a very integrated process. Beautiful. So I promised you five things, but is three enough? Three is enough, Michelle, because get out, get too far away from where you wanted us to be in our interview. Yeah, well, um, I will do this. I don't mind a longer time, but I want to be respectful of your time. Are you prepared to talk about the last two? Or would you like to come back another time and talk about them? I think let's talk about them if it feels right to you. because they're, they're... I'm totally, everyone will be loving this so much. Okay. I am happy to keep going. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> well, the other two are actually quicker because they are much easier to do. Uh, so the other two are really about support, your personal support the people around you, and professional help. Because I I do feel there's a lot we can do on our own. And Mm -hmm. at the same time, I think the process is much quicker when we find the right people to work with. So first, let's talk about support. And this gets back a little bit to what I said earlier. The people around you and their beliefs are critical. They are going to impact your recovery process, whether you're conscious of it or not. We are, I think it was Jim Rohn who said, we are the sum of the five people we spend the most time with. Yeah. You better really look at those five people and decide. Yeah, that's big. Are these five people who think I can get better? Or are these five people who think I'm going to stay this way forever? 
because that will impact you. Their energy, their thoughts, their beliefs are going to come into your own field. And you know, we all have a magnetic field around us. You want your magnetic field on the right feeling frequency for recovery. And that feeling frequency is one of hope, belief, good feelings. That doesn't mean you feel good all the time. It means you keep bringing yourself to that feeling frequency as often as possible. So if you are surrounded by what I like to call Eeyores, if you remember from this <laughs> corner, Eeyores always think nothing's going to get any better and it's the worst. So it's important to recognize those people and say, okay, I need to distance myself from them. On the flip side, it's important to say, who really can be on my healing team that makes me feel good? And this doesn't mean it's a big burden for everybody else. It just means that you spend time around people who right. feed your soul, who make you feel good about what it means to be you, and who agree that there's hope, who agree with the belief things can get better. So it's really putting together a team of people around you to be there for you when you need support and to spend time with you when you just want to be a regular person. So yeah. having the right support team around you is critical. And that extends to the fifth item, which is professional support. So often we think that because somebody has a PhD or an MD or any of the other you know, little letters that go after people's names. I'm mm -hmm. so, I'm so respectful of all of that education and at the mm -hmm. same time, so leery of it because I've seen so many clinicians put people in a box and that includes me. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. When I was told that, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. You just have to like, just be happier. Like, really? How, how am I supposed to just be happier? And that was, you right. know, a clinician who didn't understand what PTSD was. You right. don't just get happier. Just, you know, just don't get me started on that. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's stay focused on what I'm really trying to express, which is the people that work with you have to believe what you believe. If you are working with somebody who really believes you can heal, they will help you every step of the way and they will go above and beyond. And that's the kind of professional you want to work with. You also want to work with somebody who's trained in different modalities, who really has a wide breadth of even traditional and alternative practices for healing so that they can help you create an individualized process for you mm -hmm. because we're all yeah. unique. So our recovery process, whatever we're trying to heal or whatever symptoms we're trying to reduce is going to be personal. And we need someone who will work personally. I literally have a client who was working with a psychologist who was trained in EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And after three sessions, the therapist said to my uh, friend, um, if, who was, my friend was sharing with her, I don't feel any better. And mm. the therapist said to her, well, that, there's something wrong with you then because everybody feels better after three sessions of EMDR. Whoa. I mean, that's so disrespectful. Absolutely. And it's so false. And the problem is we feel so poorly and bad about ourselves that we're willing to believe this PhD. When right. really we know ourselves the best. We all have the PhD in what it means to be us. 
And yeah. that is hugely important in the healing process. Somebody has to be working with you who listens to you, who doesn't tell you what they believe to be true, but listens to you and helps you discover the truth about who you are and what you need. And, and so with those five things, hope, belief, self-care, support, and professional um, uh, integration, it's, we, we, you start to get a foundation for what it means to put together a recovery process in a world where all of what we're talking about, Gina, it would be so nice if it was like, well, I just had a headache, and so I took a Tylenol. Mm. <laughs> right. You know, that works for all of us. But, but mm. we're all so unique, and it's more complex. And so we have to be dedicated to finding the right modality, finding the right support, finding the right professionals, and finding the self-care that works for us while we reposition our perspective on ourselves, others, the world, and the recovery process. Oh, Michelle, thank you. That was an amazing list of five items. And I just want to wrap it up with saying, and I'm sure you will agree with me, and for them to not give up as they are trying to put this all together to just take like you were talking about those little baby steps and continually keep looking because they will find the professional support. They will be able to um, have the people around them. You know, that all those things take time and be able to learn the right self-care for themselves and changing hope, uh, beliefs and, and having that initial hope. And um, as long as they keep... I think you were so right on with that first one, being hope. Once you have that hope, everything is really possible. So, And you make such a great point, Gina, because we all want to be healed, you know, like yesterday. Mm. But And so it makes us impatient, and we want to see results right away. I didn't see results my first day of doing transcendental meditation. <laughs> you know, I really had to stick with it for a few weeks to see the benefits that are, were quantifiable and to actually have my brother say to me, what's different about you? Something's different. You seem calmer. And wow. that was huge validation and affirmation for me that I was on the right path. But that took weeks to get there. And so we have to... You know, we have to allow ourselves, give ourselves permission to accept where we are. Stop yeah. struggling against it and just take responsibility and focus for doing the work and stop trying to see, well, did this work? Did, did I make a change today? It's not about that. It's about having each day just with a tiny little bit in it that you say, oh, that was good. You know, whether yeah. I didn't flip out in that moment or I felt myself flipping out and I reined myself back in. It's just being mm -hmm. able to start to see those little changes and knowing that, as you said, Gina, over time, all of those things will build. It's like building a muscle. You know, you don't go to the gym and after weightlifting the first day, look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Not that you maybe <laughs> want to, but um, you know, well, I started today and if I do this consistently, I will bulk up. And, and that's what recovery is really like. So I'm so glad that you brought up that point, Gina, because I think it is critical to have the right intention and yeah. less expectation. Oh, that's beautiful. Have the intention and less expectation. Perfect, Michelle. I cannot, I am so thrilled with these five 
points and for you taking time to be with us. I wonder in your own words, can you tell our listeners where they can find you? Oh, absolutely. You can find me and and so many healing resources, including over a hundred podcasts with different experts in the field and recovery books and even the free Heal My PTSD forum. It is all on HealMyPTSD.com. Beautiful. And I'm going to put that in the show notes. So don't worry if you didn't get that. We'll put it in the show notes. And please go visit Michelle. She has been doing um, beautiful, beautiful work over many years now. How long have you been PTSD free, Michelle? Almost 10. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah. (laughs) And don't you want to go back and tell those people? Well, look at me. Um, You know, I. You you do, and at the same time, you realize people have their beliefs, and it's not up to me to change them. Absolutely. I just love your energy, Michelle. I love that you took time with us today. And on behalf of all my listeners, I want to say many mahalos, and um, maybe you will come back and visit us again sometime in the future. Um, and But until then... We wish you all a wonderful rest of your day. I'll be back in a few more days with another podcast. Until then, be well and aloha. Thanks so much for joining us for today's episode of the Anxiety Coaches Podcast. Find more information at theanxietycoachespodcast.com.